Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help you with some of your gardening quandaries. This week I attended a large tree-growing symposium at Majestic Trees and bumped into a man named Jamie Single. Jamie supplies his product, AirPot, to growers all around the world. I spoke to Mr Single about his experiences selling at home and abroad. My thanks go to Thompson and Morgan, sponsors of this podcast. Well, it's been a pretty good week for me, except those irritating showers. You know, the grass is really growing lush and trying to get the lawn cuts been a bit of a game. On Saturday, I got it all swept. I always run a big broom over the turf early in the morning because that just knocks the dew off and it makes the grass dry more quickly. And then, just about as it was ready to cut, just a short, sharp shower, enough to wet the grass and just stop me cutting it again. We did have some decent weather on Sunday, so uh, I have at last got the lawns cut. Oh, and uh, if you happen to be going to the Marvin show this weekend, do watch out for Matthew Oliver. He's the bloke who looks after the veg at the RHS Hyde Hall Gardens. He's going up there with one of his giant pumpkins. I'm told that uh, it'll weigh over 877 pounds, this pumpkin, and at the last measurement it was putting on 40 pounds a week. Seems unbelievable, doesn't it? You know, when they talk about feeding the world, we've got some way to go, haven't we, if we can put 40 pounds a week on a pumpkin. The flow of new plants is absolutely relentless. I don't know how I'm going to keep up with everything that's coming. At the Four Oaks Cheshire exhibition, the best woody plant was called Hibiscus. Now that's Hibiscus, H-I-B-I-S, and then capital K, Kiss, K-I-S-S. Goodness, people don't half slaughter our language, don't they? Uh, And this was, um, or is, a British red Hibiscus, hardy, woody shrub, but it has the largest flowers anybody's ever seen on hibiscus. They're about seven inches across, you know, they're bigger than saucers. And, and lavender in colour with a carmine centre. I'm not absolutely committed. When I saw it, it looked, I don't know, a bit sort of flimsy. And uh, going to the Wisley trials up Battleston Hill and down the other side, they've got a very good trial on hibiscus. And there's some really good varieties coming quite compact growing, uh, fully double flowers, and I think the white with the deep crimson and red centres look really attractive. Just had an inquiry too about how to propagate hibiscus. They can be rooted from cuttings, but we're a bit late now. You root them from half-ripe cuttings, that's wood which isn't soft and isn't completely woody, it's half-ripe, 
and you tear off little side shoots so they've got a little bit of a heel of the old wood at the base and trim them off so they're about four to five inches long. Be as well to dip the cut broken end into rooting hormone and then pop that into a mixture of uh, seed and cutting compost. Add a bit of perlite if you can to just keep it open. Pop the cuttings into that and then slip a white polythene bag right over the top and keep them on a warm windowsill. They'll take some weeks, I'm afraid, even months perhaps, to form goodish roots, but you'll get there in the end, and in July, of course, it'll work much quicker. At the Glee exhibition up in Birmingham, there was all kinds of new things being introduced. I was interested to see on the Westland stand a complete new range for houseplant care, and it included a bottle of water. Well, I suppose lots of people now go out, don't they, and buy a bottle of water to drink. And this was a very special orchid water. You know, most of us, when we talk about watering the moth orchids, we suggest you use rainwater or something which uh, isn't too uh, alkaline because it's easy to talk about it and it's not quite so easy for some people in flats to lay hands on rainwater. And so uh, this product from Westland will do just that job. It's uh, perfectly pure water but it has some feed in it and uh, just the micro elements we need and you apply two caps full to the orchid pot a week and I can see this working very well as long as people remember to do it once a week you know you need to sort of mark a date on the bottle or something and I think if you did do that just two caps a week it would do a very good job actually they've even got a little stick type thing that you can push in the compost and it tells you when the compost has got a bit too dry and needs another little drop or two of water. After all those gales last week, it is worth having a wander around the garden and just check anything, particularly trees, standard roses, things that have been supported by a stake, and just check the tyres. It's a good thing to do anyhow going into the autumn to make sure any tall plants have got really stout support. I need to prune my apricot too. With all the moisture, it's absolutely putting on new growth as if you wouldn't believe. Normally, we recommend with all the stone fruits that you prune immediately after fruit, you know, after you've picked the fruit. We're a bit late now, but better late than never, and I must get on with that. And if you've got any uh, fruits, stone or apples and pears with brown rot, there's a fair bit of that about, make sure you pick those off and don't leave them on the ground because the disease will spread next year from these mummified fruits. I've just started picking peas. It was um, a row of three different kinds. You know, I'm always trying things out. They were sown mid-July, which is about as late as you can sow garden peas. And the first one was Meteor. That's the one that I've just been picking. It's very susceptible to mildew and it's not very easy to grow. In practice, uh, more recent varieties, Eddie and terrain are later flowering and obviously then later cropping it's going to be a week or two before i pick them but uh, they have good mildew resistance especially terrain so you need to watch out for some of these things i mean the new seed catalogs they're coming through my letterbox like driving rain uh, and we will in a future podcast just go through one by one these really thick catalogs and pick out both the novelties that are coming in and those are standard varieties that continue to be well worth growing. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Last week, there was a symposium on trees large specimen trees in particular, at Majestic Trees as part of their 15th anniversary. Uh, your, our regular listeners may recall we interviewed the managing director there, Steve McCurdy, on the 8th of June. But at the symposium, I met Australian Mr Jamie Single, who uh, is the man behind AirPods and actually makes them in Scotland and sells them around the world. Jamie's on the line now to tell us his very interesting story. Hello, Jamie. Where are you today? Good morning. Well, I'm, I've, I've just been down in Hampshire visiting uh, a wonderful place called Living Walls, and I'm now sitting in a, a lay-by on the 303 in Hampshire. <laughs> and is the sun shining? It was a bit windy at home. Yes. No, no, it's absolutely lovely. It's been a beautiful day. And my job is walking around beautiful places, so it's not all bad. No, not at all. But how did you actually start out in gardening? Well, I think I got led into gardening by my grandmother originally. She was a fanatical gardener, and even though she was uh, had cataracts in old age, could still recognise most of the flowers she loved just by their, their outline, um, shade and things. And so she used to send me into gardens stealing flowers from her neighbours who would poke their head out the door and go, OK, it's for Mrs Halliday, you'll be all right. So <laughs> off I went from there, really. So, so how old were you when you were sent on this scrumping duty then? Oh, I was, I was 15, I suppose. Old enough to be deeply embarrassed every time one of the neighbours came out of their front door and asked me what I was doing. I could imagine. Goodness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a baptism of fire. But then what happened next? Uh, I then, I then, my mother encouraged me really to go into horticulture. I wasn't that keen on university, but um, I then got accepted to do horticulture at a college in Sydney called Ride School of Horticulture, which is the main academic institution for horticulture in Australia. And then I was very fortunate a year after that to be accepted at Kew Gardens for the one-year international student course. And that was a a proper eye-opener beyond anything I'd experienced before, and it was very, very lucky. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, to come halfway around the world and, and complete your training at one of the finest botanic gardens in the world. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, the finest. Let's not beat around the bush. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you, you have one or two quite nice uh, botanic gardens. Yes, we I, do. I, yeah, went, very lucky. I went to Melbourne once. I mean, that lovely city, you've, you've still got elms, haven't you? Really great, yes, big, beautiful elms. elms. Yeah. yeah. And then what happens next then from Kew? Do you go back to well, Australia? 
from Chew, I went back to Australia. I designed gardens for my living, and, and my father was an architect, and I worked in his office teaching his architects horticulture, and they taught me design, so it was a very symbiotic relationship there. And I used to buy trees from a man in Melbourne who was developing both bags and pots trying to produce better root systems on eucalyptus, and they have a terrible system in production for uh, trying to create fibre that doesn't fall over when planted in the ground. And it was a real problem, still is a real problem in Australia with it being the dominant species. And they'll get a a 40-year-old tree blowing over in a light wind, and on the bottom is the outline of a five-litre root ball that, that when it was planted, nobody bothered to tease the roots out. And they have a terrible long-term liability issue that they've got to think about, but they've also had to work very hard on creating systems for developing better root structure that people can plant with confidence. Right. And when I then met my wife, who is Scottish, I rang up my friend and said, I'm not going to buy any trees from you anymore because I'm going to go and live over in the UK. And they just said, would you like to try and sell this system? So we got given a license back in 1990, and they sadly promptly went broke, and we, Susie and I, had to decide whether to carry on with the business or not, and we did because we sort of loved what it, what it achieved horticulturally, and we've been doing it ever since, 27 years now. Well, now, we ought to explain to listeners what an airpot looks like. I mean, if they go onto your website, they'll see the pictures. I mean, people say one picture's a thousand words, and I think it certainly is in the case of airpots. But, I mean, you, you must be fairly good at explaining what they look like and what they do. Yeah, so an airpot container is designed to eliminate root circling, and in doing so, it also enhances the environment in which root structure is allowed to develop. So what it does, it's it's shaped like like an egg box on its edge. And as the root system grows out from the core of the root structure, in a normal pot, it hits the side wall and circles. In an air pot container, it gets guided by the egg box shape towards the outside, which it's trying to do, it's trying to grow laterally. And the outside cone of this egg box has a hole cut in it. And when the root is guided towards that hole, the, there is too much air in the soil. So the tip of the root gets pruned off. It get, it's dehydrated by the air. When that happens, the plant registers. It's a stress response and sends out more roots to compensate for the loss of that root that's been air pruned. So every time a root is air pruned, more roots get sent out to replace it. And that process is repeated again and again and again for the life of the plant in the pot. You get a very fibrous root system then, don't you, from that yes, treatment? Yes, yeah. very fibrous very quickly because it's continuously doing it. Yeah. But it also allows much more air into the compost and compost or the growing media is about how healthy your bacteria or the conditions for bacteria to grow are because they're the things that are breaking down the nutrients that all these new roots are able to absorb. That's a fantastic explanation and you know, very detailed. But why Scotland? I mean, just it's where your wife, uh, Susie, wanted to go. I mean, you've got a factory. Yeah, so we've got a factory in Scotland, but we, we went up there originally because I was designing gardens for a garden centre company called Dobby's that was in existence then with a the landscape department. Oh, yeah. And then 
we were developing this system and and we we sort of had to come up with a way of making it which was a steep learning curve Peter I have to say it was not what I expected to do as a horticulturist was to end up owning a factory that um, made plastic pots yeah they're made flat aren't they they sort of come off yes. in in strips and you and you curl them round and then join them at, at the two cut edges to make the circular pot. Make the circular pot. So we, we do it all in-house. We buy waste plastic, which is chipped up milk bottles and various other pieces of HDPE plastic, it's called. And we produce the sheet and then we cut them to the right length for the diameter of the pot. And we send them out flat packed to different places that, that want to use our system. I hadn't realised it was recycled plastic. So that's a very nice message, isn't it? That's important to us. It's important to most people that like growing plants. You know, it's, but most people who grow plants are environmentally conscious. Yeah. And they love it too. So it, it works for everyone, really. Now, they're all black, so presumably they would last for a long time. You can sort of reuse them, can you, once you take yes, them off? Yes, you can. We, we, we sadly think it's too long. Um, but we we haven't worked out like the washing machine manufacturers we haven't worked out how to build in the obsolescence yet no don't do that don't do that no 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 (laughs) No, they last we've we've had them outside in very hot countries very hot climates for up to 10 years so they do last very well goodness um that's a bonus we think we like the fact that it does recycle plastic and recyclable so where are you actually sending them? I mean, you know, we saw them used widely at the Majestic Nursery, uh, and I know a number of other UK nurseries use them, particularly for trees and large shrubs. But where else are you sending them? We we export most of it. We probably export about eighty percent of what we make. Um, mostly, the the biggest majority would be to to America. Forty percent of what we make goes to America. Probably thirty percent goes to Europe. 10% to the rest of the world and 20% to the UK. It's an interesting process. We, we are very lucky that we get asked to go to all these different places because of who we're involved with here, for example. Um, Botanic Gardens, Kew Gardens, use them to grow 3,500 different species. Goodness. And those species come from other places who are interested in preserving their plants or conserving endangered species. So they all talk to each other. And the same with Edinburgh Botanic Gardens, which is very near us. Well, I mean, you know, they say design a better mousetrap and the world beats a path to your door. So they're beating a path to your door, are they? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and the, the other added bonus is that people don't grow plants in ugly places. So we do get to go to very beautiful places as well, which is great. But, but you're also doing trials, I understand, uh, in um, the States with citrus trees where they have a real problem with disease. Yes, they've got a terrible issue with a, with a disease called the greening disease um, and they, they have to come up with different processes to enable them to uh, beat this disease and a big part of that is, is actually just improving the horticulture. It's a monoculture, it's monocrop, there's, you know, it's where Florida orange juice comes from and very sadly, that is is diminishing. The availability of it is getting more and more difficult. And so they're having to come up with different ways of growing. And part of the disease problem is in the ground. So they're thinking of ways of growing above the ground. And, and with the air pot 
system, everything in the system, the, the media and the way you fertilize and the way you irrigate, all contribute to a much healthier environment for roots to develop. So it's possible to leave plants in there for much, much longer than in any traditional system, traditional container. Um, and also with the extra root that you're developing, potentially gives them uh, a much better opportunity to improve yield, to improve the amount of fruit they can get on these plants that they're looking at. It's a great conversation to be involved in. Yeah, but you're also uh, uh, supplying to the Middle East, aren't you, to the Arab states? Yeah, we do. We do. We've been very heavily involved with the development of a brand new botanic gardens in Oman, and that actually came through the uh, Edinburgh Botanic Garden, who supported them in in recognising all the native species in the country. So we've been going there for for eight or nine years now to watch the development of the some of these plants. I mean, a lot of these plants had never been grown in a container ever, um, so it was all very new for them, very new for us as well. But again, it's a fascinating country and a fascinating place to be able to go and work. Jamie, what a wonderful story. And you must feel very proud, you know, that your product is greening the world in practice and sometimes in very difficult areas. Well, yeah, we've got a great team of people that work with us and, and Susie and I are very, very grateful to all of them. And, and we're very lucky to be working with people who are really they're certainly a lot more knowledgeable than I am, but um, they seem to want to include us in their conversations, so it's a great place to be. Jamie, it's been great speaking to you. Hope we meet again pretty quickly. Peter, thank you very much for your time, and good to speak to you as well. What's on? Well, it's the Harvest Festival show at the RHS halls in Vincent Square, but it's only in one hall and a very modest show, really. If you're in London, then it will be worth popping in because it's free. Uh, but I think you'd be better to wait for the next one if you're going to uh, travel some distance. Thanks again to our sponsor, Thompson & Morgan, and to my producer, Charlie Jones. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.